Dear Father in heaven, thank you Lord for your goodness and love and mercy bestowed upon us. We are grateful Father that you have given to us life and we want to reciprocate the, the gift that you've given to us by doing your will and living a life that is in harmony with your law and pleasing you in all things we do. We ask Lord that as we fellowship with you now, that you would speak to us words that will edify and bless and strengthen us. We need your spirit more than ever. And we pray, Lord, that it shall be given to us. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, and may the words spoken be a blessing to every one of us and helping us to understand more of you, that our whole life may be changed to reflect the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 18 God abhors caste For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 12 and 13 Behold, a Canaanitish woman came out from those borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Matthew chapter 15 verse 22 The people of this district were of the old Canaanite race. They were idolaters and were despised and hated by the Jews. To this class belonged the woman who now came to Jesus. She was a heathen. Christ did not immediately reply to the woman's request. He received this representative of a despised race as the Jews would have done. The woman urged her case with increased earnestness, bowing at Christ's feet and crying, Lord, help me. She yields at once to the divine influence of Christ and has implicit faith in his ability to grant the favor he asks. She begs for the crumbs that fall from the master's table. If she may have the privilege of a dog, she is willing to be regarded as a dog. She has no national or religious prejudice or pride to influence her cause, and she immediately acknowledges Jesus as the Redeemer and as being able to do all that she asks of him. The Savior is satisfied. He has tested her faith in him. Turning to her with a look of pity and love, he says, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. From that hour her daughter became whole. The demon troubled her no more. In faith, the woman of Phoenicia flung herself against the barriers that had been piled up between Jew and Gentile. Against discouragement, regardless of appearances that might have led her to doubt, 
she trusted the Savior's love. It is thus that Christ desires us to trust in Him. The blessings of salvation are for every soul. Nothing but his own choice can prevent any man from becoming a partaker of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Caste is hateful to God. He ignores everything of this character. In his sight, the souls of all men are of equal value. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God Abhors Caste. Today we will be looking at the second instance of what Jesus called great faith as it was branded by him. And this account of great faith is found in the story of the Canaanite or Syrophoenician woman. But there are other lessons to learn from it too with respect to faith. I'll, I'll read the story first of all in Matthew 15 from verse 21 to 28 it says, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith be it unto thee even as thou wilt and her daughter was made whole from that very hour amen our key text for today shows us the lesson that we must understand from this story it says in the book of romans 10 verse 12 and 13 for there is no difference between the jew and the greek for the same lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and whosoever means whosoever. It means the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Nigerians, the Africans, the Americans, both North and South. It includes all Asians. It includes all religions. But then, whoever you are, as far as you exercise that faith in Jesus, like this woman, she was not what, as one would say, a Christian, as a Jew, but her need brought her at the feet of Jesus and she called upon his name and that's what we read here in Romans 10 verse 13 for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved but you know that calling upon the name of the Lord is actually condensed you have to unpack what it means to call upon the name of the Lord the woman called upon the name of the Lord in faith believing that he was the Messiah and by doing that she was no longer a Canaanite she now was having the faith of a Christian in doing that. And that is the reason why we are to learn this most important lesson that we are not to have any barriers as far as the truth and the gospel is concerned. As we read concerning this woman in our devotion for today, in page 297, paragraph seven of or paragraph six and seven of 
conflict and courage. It says, in faith, the woman of Phoenicia flung herself against the barriers that had been piled up between Jew and Gentile. Against discouragement, regardless of appearances that might have led her to doubt, she trusted the Savior's love. It is taught that Christ desires us to trust in Him. The blessings of salvation are for every soul. Nothing but his own choice can prevent any man from becoming a partaker of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Caste is hateful to God. He ignores everything of this character. In his sight, the souls of all men are of what? Equal value. End of quote. Do you see things the way Christ sees it? We'll talk about that in a bit. And what I mean is that there are no barriers. Do you see it that way? We read just now that Christ desires us to trust in him the way this woman trusted him. How did she trust him? She trusted him believing that the barriers that apparently separated her from Jesus was not there. Even though Jesus tried to put up that barrier, she went through that barrier and met Jesus. So what is it that Jesus called great faith in the story of this Syrophoenician woman? And by the way, remember that that woman called Jezebel is also a Phoenician. And this woman who we are reading about today is a Phoenician. They worship the same God, Baal, as far as I can see. But this woman changed her gods this day by coming to Jesus and not to Baal to heal her daughter. So let us look at what Jesus called great faith. The first thing is that she trusted in the spoken word of God that is able in and of itself to do mighty works. And secondly, she believed that she can receive whatever she asked regardless of her position, her ethnicity, her nationality, her tribe or her social status or even her previous religion. The first thing we will look at is the faith exercised by the woman in the words of Jesus and, the trusting to, and her trusting of the love of God. This woman only needed the word of God to be spoken and she trusted in that word as having enough power to heal her child and she receives the healing. This is great faith. We are to do the works of faith not because we trust in the works itself but we trust in the power of him who had said that we should do what we are doing and he will make the results of that our action to be just what he said it will be. Remember the book of Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. She heard and she believed that there was power in the word, and as her faith was, it was done unto her. The second thing we will look at is the fact that this woman broke the barriers of caste and pressed her need upon Jesus. I'm moving on to that because we have looked at faith in the previous two lessons, that's yesterday and day before yesterday when we looked at the centurion we looked at the lessons on faith but we'll focus today on the case and how this woman pressed through that barrier she believed in jesus that he would grant her her request sometimes we may have this feeling of not being accepted by god for some reason maybe because we are uneducated or we feel like god listens to the prayers of the rich more than the poor and since we are poor, he cannot hear us. But regardless of all this, maybe even your religion or something, or your past life of sin, you feel like Jesus won't listen to me. Regardless of all this, faith still comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
What does God teach about faith? Galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 says, For ye are all the children of God, how? By faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Do you know what it means to be a, an heir? That means you, are, you have a right to the inheritance of whatever it is that the children or sons of God are to inherit. And what are the sons of God to inherit? What Jesus inherited. Jesus is the son of God. And by faith, we can become sons of God as we read in Galatians 3 verse 26. We are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. He is the son of God. And we behold what manner of love it is that the Lord has bestowed upon us to be called sons of God. Whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Greek. And these two nations called are represented are represented by their religion because saying Jew here means you are a worshipper of the true God. And then the Greeks naturally by their inheritance worship other gods. But when we come to Christ, no one is going to be excluded because of your past that you worship other gods. If you will receive Christ, he will receive you. He's willing to receive anyone. He's not going to use your ethnicity, your nationality against you or your past religion you can change and say i will worship god but of course when you're worshiping god you cannot worship other gods god is open to everyone we have learned already that faith means that we hear god's word and act on it find out the condition or the act that god's word tells us to do and and do it not because you are expecting that your act in and of itself will give the said result but trusting wholly on the powerful word of God to do exactly what God said and bring about the said result. Now that we know that there is no respect of nationality or social status with God, we are to act on that word and approach him with our requests, believing that his word will be fulfilled. And no matter the ideas or barriers in your mind or the ones held by people, as it was done to this woman by Jesus or by the looks and words of his disciples, we are not to let this to deter us, but we are to press on our requests, pleading God's word to him as our dependence and our reason for coming to him. But in this story, God will want us to learn another lesson. If we believe that God does not regard castes and he hates it, and he breaks these social and national barriers and ethnic and tribal barriers, then, how are we as Christians supposed to conduct ourselves towards the social and national conflicts that arise around us? This depends on how we view ourselves. Let us revisit the story of the Samaritan woman with Jesus to learn something in this direction. The book of John 4, reading from verse 1 to 10, gives us the account of Jesus with this Samaritan woman. And of course, you will go past 10. When Jesus was speaking to the woman, in John 4 verse 7, it says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said unto thee, Give me to drink, then thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. 
So, in other words, the woman was saying to Jesus, don't you know the status quo? We don't talk to each other. We don't relate. We are enemies. No need trying to be friendly with me. Let us leave things at the status quo. But what was it that led to this status quo between the Jews and the Samaritans? To understand the encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, we need to understand the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. There's a long history. Since the days when Jeroboam became the king of Israel, he took the Israelites of the northern kingdom away from, his, from serving God. He built a calf in Bethel and Dan, which thing was a great offense to God. Israel never returned to God since those days. God gave them up completely to be ruled by their enemies. Through intermarriage and idolatry, they lost their heritage and were no longer reckoned as true Israel by blood. They became a mixed race that couldn't even be identified by their tribes. None knew anymore what tribe they were from. They were merely known as the Samaritans. After the Jews came back from the captivity 70 years, the Samaritans, like Sanballat, wanted to join in the building of the temple of Jerusalem but the Jews refused and rightly so because the Samaritans were not worshipping God the right way and would bring their corruptions to the Jews. This was a cause of animosity against the Jews. Reading from Desire of Ages page 188 paragraph 3 it says was when the temple at Jerusalem was rebuilt in the days of Ezra, the Samaritans wished to join the Jews in its erection. This privilege was refused them and a bitter animosity sprang up between the two peoples. The Samaritans built a rival temple on Mount Gerizim. Here, they worshipped in accordance with the mosaic ritual, though they did not wholly renounce idolatry. End of quote. But one major incident that made the Jews to abhor the Samaritans was that the Samaritans kicked at them when they were down. During the days when Antiochus Epiphanes defiled the temple in Jerusalem that's in the days of those people like Judas, Maccabeus and his brothers and Antiochus Epiphanes was forcefully trying to Hellenize the Jews. The Samaritans used this opportunity to spite the Jews. They made very sure to dissociate themselves from the Jews, even going as far as traveling to Syria to request from the Greek king Antiochus Epiphanes that they wanted their temple to not be associated with the God of the Jews, but that it should be called after the name of the Greek God, Jupiter Hellenius, and this request was granted them. The name of their own temple, in the, that's the Samaritans, was known as the Temple of Jupiter Hellenius. Thus, they disavowed any relationship with the Jews and were freed from all spiritual connection with them. This was one thing that made the Jews to hate the Samaritans even more. But the Jews even did something worse to the Samaritans. After the Hasmonean revolt, that's still the Maccabeans, and the Jews were able to get some of their independence, one of the Hasmonean kings, specifically John Hyrcanus, who was the Pharise of the Pharisees sect, did the most unjust thing to the Samaritans. He went to the land, their land and conquered them, destroyed their city and their temple on Mount Gerizim. Reading Desire of Ages, page 188, paragraph 3, says, But disasters attended them, that's the Samaritans. Their temple was destroyed by their enemies, and they seemed to be under a curse. Yet they still clung to their traditions and their forms of worship. They would not acknowledge the temple at Jerusalem as the house of God, nor admit that the religion of the Jews was superior to their own. Now, end of quote. Now, with this breakdown of the Judeo-Samaritan relationship, one can understand why the encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman was the way it was. 
it was supposed to be an eternal war between both people and the hatred between them should not be underestimated at all. But what did Jesus do? He broke these barriers and reached out to the Samaritan woman just as he did to the Syrophoenician woman. John 4 from verse 39 to 42 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. He didn't do any miracle just because he spoke to them. Verse 42 says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world. Amen. Such a confession from people who were not Jews that the Jews refused to make. The Jews found it hard to say this thing that this is the Messiah, this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. They found it hard to agree with that but the Samaritans did. If Jesus had upheld the barriers that were existing between the Jews and the Samaritans, would he have won these people over? No. If Jesus had the mindset of his disciples, he would not say a word to this woman. But we are to have the mind of Christ and not the mind of the disciples of Jesus then at that time. What is the mind of Christ? It is the mind that your citizenship is in heaven. And as far as being born again is concerned, you do not belong to any nation on this earth and your kingdom is literally not of this world. Remember in the book of John 18, when Jesus was brought before Pilate, he made it clear to Pilate that this Jewish kingdom is not my kingdom. Reading from verse 33, it says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest had delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, hear these words now, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Amen. What does it mean for our kingdom not to be of this world? It means that we represent the heavenly kingdom and that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We are not from here. Our relationship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now I do not belong to any nation on earth but a heavenly. How then can I fight for certain nations on earth? How then can I uphold any national um, grudge or ethnic or tribal grudge? I cannot, not unless I renounce my heavenly citizenship and take up an earthly one. Something Jesus said to this woman shows us how he views this matter. In the book of John 4, from verse 19 to 24, it says, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, 
and they that worship him must worship him in truth, in spirit and in truth. To buttress this point where I'm reading from Desire of Ages, page 189, paragraph 2, paragraph 2, it says, Here is declared the same truth that Jesus had revealed to Nicodemus when he said, Except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, verse 3. Not by seeking a holy mountain or a sacred temple are men brought into communion with heaven. Religion is not to be confined to external forms and ceremonies. The religion that comes from God is the only religion that will lead to God. In order to serve Him aright, we must be born of the Divine Spirit. This will purify the heart and renew the mind, giving us a new capacity for knowing and loving God. It will give us a willing obedience to all His requirements. This is true worship. It is the fruit of the working of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit of every sincere by the Spirit, every sincere prayer is indicted, and such prayer is acceptable to God. Wherever a soul reaches out after God, there the Spirit's working is manifest, and God will reveal Himself to that soul. So it is wherever, remember. For such worshippers he is seeking. He waits to receive them and to make them his sons and daughters. End of quote. What does it mean wherever? It doesn't matter your location. Are you of any tribe? There are so many tribes in the world. I, I, there's no need for me to mention names now. But wherever you are, look at the tribes around you. Wherever those people are, wherever you are, as far as we mention the name of the Lord, we are one. We are the same spirit. We believe the same things. How then can I fight my own brother? Now let us look at ourselves and apply these lessons directly to us. Tribalism and patriotism or nationalism, whatever we want to call it, and class, social class, are not recognized by Jesus. They bar the way for the gospel. This should not be misunderstood to mean that God does not recognize national borders and territories. As far as I can see, God recognizes and even supports the borders and also the territories of nations. Was he not the one that created them in the first place? He was the one man being united was up to no good and God decided to separate them into nations based on the languages he himself gave to those nations. Deuteronomy 32 verse 8 says this, when the most high, not when man, when the most high divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. So bounds were set not by me, not by any man, but by God. God doesn't hate nations in the sense of we having our different nationalities like languages because nationalities are not defined by mere human borders. They are defined by the languages. That's what a nation is. A nation is a group of people having one language. Many nations may come together and form a federation. That's how you see it. You get. So God is not against that. Even in Genesis 10 verse 32, it says these are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. Who did it? God was the one. Genesis 10 verse 5 says, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after his tongue, after their families in their nations. So having said that, this does not mean that God intends that we are to permit these national boundaries to determine our affiliations and our faith. Abraham was promised that he will be a father of many nations. Israel is only one nation. So how is it that Abraham was to be a father of many nations then? You see, as Christians, we are not united by the same language as nations are. But all over the world, we are united by the same spirit. And this is why Jesus said, 
what he said to the Samaritan woman. No one is going to seek him in Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem. Those who worship him have one spirit, true, those speaking different languages, and they are united in the same bond of love and hope in Christ. Is it possible for us to be united in Christ and yet be divided by national sentiments? Do we have tribal and national bias? And some of us are even taking it lower to even family bias. A Christian has a bias only to his own brother and his brother is not the person that speaks the same language with him or one who grew up in the same environment as him, but one who has the same Lord as himself and subscribes to live by the same law and principles that Jesus upholds. Jesus is what brings us together and this is a strong bond of brotherhood between children of God. So now, if God wants all men everywhere to be saved, how can we fight national and territorial wars? I remember in 1993, there was a war in Rwanda where there was an ethnic, uh, an attempted ethnic cleansing that took place. Christians on both sides were involved in killing themselves, that's the Houthis and the Tutsis. There were priests, bishops, pastors who were involved in these things. They didn't mind killing another Christian just because they were from another tribe or ethnic uh, community. What does that tell us? It tells us that th this is not Christianity. It's not possible that you will hold up all these national struggles and tribal struggles and still be a Christian. And God hates it. In Nigeria, from about 1966 to 1970, there was the Biafran War. Until now, these tribal sentiments are still brewing. When you go to Serbia, for example, the same thing happens in Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia. The Serbians fighting against the people in Kosovo and other nations to the same thing. But yet, many of them are still going to the same churches. There is war between the Russians and the Ukrainians. Kosovo and Serbia are in constant hatred. Iran and the US, China and Taiwan, North and South Korea, Egypt and Sudan, US and China, US and Russia, US and Iran, US and Syria, the Hutsis and the Tutsis of Rwanda, and the list goes on and on. What are we to do about this as Christians? I tell you what, we are not to be involved in this, for we cannot be involved in it and yet represent Jesus. Also, we cannot be involved in it and claim that we are brothers and sisters all over the world. Should we fight wars for nations? Then Christians will kill Christians. But is this actually the case? No, it isn't because Christians cannot kill Christians. Those who would take a weapon and attack any person simply because of their tribal, national or ethnic affiliation, attacking them either by words or deeds cannot be Christians. If we must properly represent Jesus, then we must break these barriers. We have a work to do and we are not to permit these sentiments of class and tribe and ethnicity and nationality to separate us or hinder us from doing the work we need to do. The world is perishing in sin. Sinners are in every class and nation and tribe and, and country. So if there are sinners in my fleshly tribe as well as others, what makes my tribe any better than another in God's eyes as well as in my own eyes? If I make his mind, that's the mind of Christ, my mind, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and are in need of the saving grace of Jesus and therefore we are not to class ourselves as being better than others. If we are truly having that mind of Jesus, we will see in every nation, in every tribe, a people who are laden in iniquity. So why then will I say that one tribe is better than the other? Wherever you are, are you involved in these ethnic wars, in these tribal 
sentiments and choosing sides we are not to do that we are to be missionaries to everyone you choose one and you neglect the other if i speak now in favor of ukraine then i neglect russia if i speak in favor of russia then what am i saying i'm neglecting ukraine we are to be missionaries to all of them and we are not to be involved in the wars that are taking place and their and their struggles and their strives we are not to involve in that what we are involved in is what jesus came to do he said concerning this syrophoenician woman to his disciples he said to them i have come to save those who are sinners and they are sinners everywhere and that is my concern it is not about who is taking this person's land and all those other policies foreign policies that people are involved in as christians we have a desire to save everyone how then can i pick a gun to shoot anyone how then can i do something that will harm a soul that jesus came to save and that's why we learn today god abhors caste. we are to wash our hands clean from all of these ethnic tribal national wars and fightings that are taking place all over us we have to be ministers and missionaries to all of them just like jesus was a minister to the syrophoenician woman to the samaritan woman and to jews also and to greeks we have to open the doors to everyone and don't fall into the temptation of choosing sides based on these national fights that are taking place or ethnic and tribal fights let us be careful not to do that for once we do that we dissociate ourselves from citizenship in heaven you cannot be a citizen of heaven and still be involved in these things more can be said about this but i just pray that the spirit of god is talking to your heart in words that you can understand better than what i have said i know i may not have presented this in the best way possible but may the Spirit of God impress these things on your heart in a way that you will understand it even better than what I have said. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for giving us this message. Sometimes we find ourselves involved in these struggles, choosing one tribe above another as though that tribe is sinless and the other one is sinful. But I pray, Father, please speak to our hearts and help us to dissociate ourselves from everything that brings up castes and brings up barriers of nationality and tribe and ethnicity. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to have the mind of Christ, to be missionaries to everyone, bringing people out of darkness into the marvelous light. Forgive us for the times we have cherished such sentiments. Is there someone listening now who still cherishes such a sentiment? Lord, please do for them what I cannot do. Speak to the heart and help such a person to drop such sentiments and realize that we are to love everyone and give to them the gospel of truth as you have given to us please lord help us to change our mindset on these things i pray and forgive us for the times we have exhibited such barriers in our own selves do this for us and take the glory in jesus name i've prayed amen